It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How did you meet the chairman? I heard a story that you just sent in a blind resume, and you just got a call from him one day and said, hey, I want to I wanna meet you. Is that, is that true or false? No, no, I wish that were true. I wish okay. that were true. Um, here's the thing. Like, I resisted I, I, foolishly in like, I resisted getting any sort of help whatsoever in my search. Like I, I literally started signing, I did send a ton of blind letters. And if I ever got like, you know, to all sorts of teams, and if I ever even got like a three by five note card back acknowledging receipt of my resume, like I felt, okay, at least they heard me because yeah. that was rare. Maybe like a quarter of them responded. If that Ed Lynch, from the Cubs sent me a letter back, told me to go get a job working for a minor league club and work my way up, which was a, was a no, but at least it was some level of, of guidance. Uh, and I started looking for a job in baseball. I don't know. I was probably 21. I was graduating college 22. Um, and finally at age like 20, like four years in after just getting nothing, uh, I took my dad, up on an offer to let one of his buddies who knew Jerry put my resume in front of Jerry. Okay. And honestly, like I, I didn't want to do it because I felt like for those, like I got to do this on my own. I can't do this based on connections. And frankly, that was really stupid and probably cost me a few years of, of at least getting my foot in the door. Because again, not only is everybody doing it, but like Jerry isn't going to hire me just because his, buddy knows my dad like that just got me in the door got me an audience which was unique but the rest and it took another two years or two and a half years after that meeting for the socks to ultimately hire me but that helped facilitate the process of just getting me in the door white Sox fans are a hmm, what's the best word for white Sox fans they're a resilient bunch they're a loud yep. bunch they're a dedicated mm-hmm. bunch um starts with guys like the, the guys in the 108 who I know you, you <laughs> communicate with and like they, they're a great standard for what a White Sox fan should be a little bit of criticism, but a, a ton of just being a diehard and showing up for your team and us as season ticket holders, as you know, effectively paying the player salaries. That's why mm-hmm. we're there as season ticket mm-hmm. holders, without a doubt. I think I pay you on Mankata directly, but <laughs> do you ever want to just forget about the fact that you're running a business and come out to lot B to a tailgate and just hang, get a little tipsy and really feel like a baseball fan. Oh, absolutely. Uh, frankly, that's something I've lost and I'm not complaining at all. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have the career I've had in, in professional sports, but you know, as you referenced earlier, I'm a bears fan. I'm a bulls fan. I'm a Hawks fan, Michigan one of the things I've lost is the ability to watch those sports or watch the front office decision-making and be like, have a fan reaction because there's that executive side of me that stops me and is like, wait, there's, there's 
there's more to the situation than I know. Someone might not be available. There might be something off the field. There might be a makeup problem. Like I've lost sort of that critical eye, that freedom that being a fan brings you to just like let loose and, and emotionally respond to things when you may not have all the information. Um, we used to, you know, the MLB and their infinite wisdom moved the amateur draft to the all-star break. Uh, but prior to that, the all-star break used to be sort of, you know, four days where everyone in the front office kind of shut down and got a little bit of a break. And I sort of foolishly started a tradition when my boys were like five and three, I think it started with the, the, the all-star game at the old Yankee stadium. I wanted them to see Yankee stadium, the old one. Uh, so we started that tradition that year of going to the all-star game every year and it was sort of like the only family vacation we got during the summer because of my job. Uh, but one of the reasons I like that, not just because the boys got fired up and all-star games, frankly, you know, made for kids and home run derby got them all fired up was that I got to sit in that game. I got to sit in the stands, have a beer and just enjoy a ball game. And that, I mean, shoot, the part of the reason I'm in this job is because I grew up a fan because I grew up passionate about the game because I grew up, you know, emotional with the ups and downs of the course of the season. Uh, in the, as an executive, you got to under, understandably temper some of that. And, and fans don't want their front office emotional and, and responsive to every little blip. You need to have a longer term plan and hopefully more and better information when you're making your decisions. Uh, but that, the, maybe I've joked too much about when I finally get fired on this already, but like when the time comes that I can go back to having a beer out in lot B and enjoying a ball game in the sun, like that's going to be something to look forward to. That's going to be something to enjoy and something I've, I've definitely missed. Have you ever even come close to feeling handcuffed in terms of resources in free agency or at the deadline? Uh, never at the deadline. Never at the deadline, I feel like, you know, look, there's limitations to what we can do simply based upon uh, what players we have to give up. Like there's been stuff we've wanted to do. and We haven't been able to have the assets to line up or even just the other club doesn't evaluate your guys the same way you do. Like that's just going to happen. That's part of it. More, far, far, far more deals die on the vine than actually come together. Uh so I've been frustrated at times because perhaps the other teams haven't valued our assets the way we have, or for whatever reason, they like someone else better than one of our guys. And that can be, that can be really frustrating. Uh, from a free agent standpoint, look, I, I've been here a long time. I know precisely how we go about making our, our decisions and how, what resources we have and don't have and certain contractual uh, bugaboos that perhaps you know don't get approved around here uh but that's part of the business i've chosen so to speak like that's part of the puzzle of putting together a championship club here and and frankly i i like that challenge like that's part of uh what's exciting sure would the would the job be different with unlimited resources and and you can paper over mistakes or put, you know, layer upon layer upon layer of, of depth. Uh, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a different type of gig than the one where I have here. And, and that's, uh, that has some appeal to, to people and 
you know, this is, this is the one that has most appeal to me. I think White Sox fans look at it and say, well, where is the, where's the nine figure deal? But mm-hmm. sometimes you don't it, like you're talking about other teams evaluating and valuing, valuing your players differently. Maybe sometimes you don't see that certain player available worthy of a nine figure deal over right now when guys are getting 10, 12, 13, 14 year deals. And, and again, that's a bunch of different things there. First of all, uh, not that it matters because I'm the first one to sort of preach that, you know, let's talk about deals, not effort or not negotiations or not things that could have happened. We have offered nine figure deals. There's not, I want to make sure that's clear that there isn't like some organizational bias against or rule against nine figure deals. That said, I know we're one of the few handful of teams that have yet to execute a nine figure deal. Uh, That isn't because of, again, an organizational philosophy against it. It's because things haven't lined up precisely right to get one of those things done. Uh, You know, we've been aggressive, more aggressive in certain segments than others. For example, you know, the Eloy and Luis Robert deals before they step foot on a major league field. Uh, That kind of aggressiveness was part of the original rebuild plan. It was part of the documentation we gave Jerry and sold them on at the start. And he bought into because he saw the benefit of doing that. Now, the funny thing is, is had we not done that deal with, say, Luis Robert, then he probably would be in line at some point during his White Sox career for that nine-figure deal and would be something, you know, given his ability and given how important he is to this club and how we project him going forward would probably have happened that way. Uh, So, again, it's about areas where you can and can't be aggressive and areas where you're able to effectively get deals done. We've been really good at sort of that front end. And then, obviously, we haven't been able to point to that free agent nine-figure deal that we've executed on. We've come close, but it, that doesn't really count, in my opinion. In the past, I've heard you say that when roster decisions, lineup construction, strategy, whatever, are being discussed in a room, that I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but titles mm-hmm. and seniority are left at the door. There's no – a word you definitely – a phrase you use, there's no iron fist in there. Do you mm-hmm. still feel that way, and do you feel like – you're comfortable with your input when it comes to daily lineup strategy, defensive alignment. Are you comfortable with your input there? I'm absolutely comfortable with my input there. Am I getting everything I want every single day? Of course not. You know, that the, the manager and the coaches, the guys that are, you know, it's a cliche, but in the trenches every day with these guys, uh, ultimately need to have final say over the lineup. Now they hear from me, they hear from, they hear from Kenny, they hear from our analytics group. They have also, they hear from our trainers. Uh, and ultimately at the end of the day, Tony has to make the decision about what he feels puts us in the best position to win. Uh, I have zero concern that, uh, any of those contributions I just named, are, are not being heard. I know they're all being heard. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, the manager is charged with looking in the eyes of the players, understanding what he feels he needs to do to put them in the best position to succeed. And, and that's, that's his job. I mean, he's, he's a personnel man in the end about putting the personnel in the best position to have success. 
frustration is at an all-time high, right? Whether it be fans, it's a different frustration for fans than it is for you. Like you, you mm-hmm. say trenches, you're in the trenches every day. It's it's your nut, right? It's not our nut, what happens at the end of the season. We could be happy with it. We could be unhappy with it. It's just a little bit different for you. How do you cope as a person removing yourself from baseball? Or I guess it's impossible to completely remove yourself, mm-hmm. but how do you cope with frustrations surrounded by expectations not being met on your level or expectations not even being met on the player's level. They know their talent. Right. They know they're not a team that's that should be four games under 500. This, this point last year, I think you were 18 games over 500, something like that. Right. How do you cope with the frustration? It's not easy, and I don't have a great answer for that. Uh, I, fundamentally, I'd rather have the expectations than not have them. But part of what comes with the expectations is when they're not met, being frustrated. Uh, look, I, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that like there are times where I behave poorly <laughs> during a game, whether it's swearing or throwing shit or, or you know, uh, the other day I, I woke up and the back of my hand hurt and I couldn't quite remember why. And then I remember there uh, was a, was a, decision in the game that led to me punching a file cabinet when I walked by it on my way back to my office last week. And then that's, that's not, you know, a healthy way to deal with the frustration, but it's just it, keep it, less file it, cabinets around. There you go. They, especially in this digital world. Why do we even have, yeah, these why do you have a cabinets? file cabinet? Why are you keeping it? We'll have to talk to Nancy on that one. She's rolling hired Nancy. So we let her have whatever file cabinet sure. she wants. Um, but that's not a healthy way to deal with it. So trying to, I do have some benefit in that I get to have those conversations. I get to see behind the curtain. I get to know how hard guys are working. I get to also know who may not be available on a given time, which helps rationalize a decision a little bit more easily. Uh, but it boils over from time to time. And if it didn't, then I'm in the wrong business. Like if I'm not passionate, if I don't feel the same frustration, whether it's a player, a staff member, much less a fan who wants what's best for the club, then I'm in the wrong business. Like I, I should be feeling that we all should be feeling that. I think the White Sox do an incredible job on social media and in-game action of promoting their young talent and promoting the personalities that they have, whether it be Bechtel and, and Ray Garcia, it letting players come on our show and show fans and our listeners what kind of personalities they have. And that can only emaciate yourself even more with a team and a player and a personality. I think about the field of dreams game. And I think Mm -hmm. about the white Sox and the Yankees on a national stage and fans getting to see Tim Anderson walk that off. And I mean, the bobblehead is right here in my desk. And I think it's awesome that they made the hands bobble. It's one of the coolest (laughs) things, but then I'm looking at the field of dreams game this year and it's the freaking Cubs and reds. And it's like a complete 180. and maybe MLB thought that they would be more exciting, I guess. But in contrast to what the white Sox do, baseball doesn't do a very good job at it. Is there a fix? I I love Sunday night baseball and, and miking up guys for an entire inning. And I, I love the way the game's going with that, but we talk about it on the show often, like it might not be feasible, but mic up one guy all game. And then some kind of signal where the broadcast can say, Hey, we want to take, we want to take uh, Lance Lynn right now in between innings mm-hmm. pitching today, something. See that's and it. And you're not wrong that that, first of all, I do think things have gotten better. Yes. I think things have improved. Uh, and I certainly agree with you, whether it's, you know, Ray and Bob or Scott Reifert, our digital media people, like they do a great job. Yeah. And also the era that we're living in right now, like, 
that you or any fan can go to Tim Anderson's Instagram and sort of get a feel for who he is as a man and what is important to him or Liam Hendricks, what causes does he care about? You get sort of this greater insight and access to a player's off the field personality, which in turn, in all probability makes you a bigger fan of them, ingratiates them to you, them to you more. Like you said, uh, did I say emaciate? You said emaciate and I, I switched it to ingratiate. Yeah. What does emaciate mean? I think that's like you're losing weight from uh, you're emaciated. Abnormally thin or weak, especially because of illness or lack of food. Yeah. That's not quite what I think Instagram's about. Yeah. But you know, maybe you can use it differently. (laughs) Okay. Ingratiate. Uh, Ingratiate. But yeah, it ingratiates the player more to the fan. You get to know more about him as a person and you feel that greater connection to the team or to the player, what's important to them. I, I, that, that is, you know, eons beyond where we were even five much less 10 years ago uh you it's funny because you mentioned miking up players during games and i do think when i'm sitting there watching sunday night baseball it's the phillies and the mets like hearing lindor talk talk about his positioning talk about ball you can hear him talking about ball and play and where he's going with it like that's cool uh in 2020 in the playoffs we were playing the a's and loriano was mic'd up in the playoffs in center field and somebody I don't recall who hit a ball to deep center that he sort of took a half step in on and then reacted late and the ball landed over his head. Scott Reifert, our head of communications, was sitting with me in the suite that day. And I turned to him and I said, we are never miking up a player during the game. Okay. Uh, simply because, and I'm wrong, we've miked up players during the game since then. But my yeah. visceral reaction from the executive standpoint, from trying to win a ball game standpoint, is that Loriano maybe messed up that ball because he was busy doing a talk back to the to the booth while he's trying to be focused on what's going in front of him the last thing i ever want is us to lose a ball game because of some potential distraction that happened during the game that said please please understand i say that with my gm of the white Sox hat on and the good news for fans and consumers of the game is i don't have final say over that and I and there are far more people who I think think like you that see, wow, that's a cool and, and think like I do when I'm watching the Mets and the Phillies do it. Boy, that's a really cool element, and we need to do more of that. So I think it's going to expand. I just personally like gives me the heebie-jeebies. Last thing I want you to do is talk to Lance Lynn while he's pitching, right? Like, yeah, not like, just because of the, not on the FCC mound, element, but like in the dugout on a start day. Like right. I know different players feel differently about how they want to communicate on a start day when they're playing. I'm sure there are some right. guys, but I know what you mean. I, I know what you, I, I could see how that would make you a little bit nervous when yeah, we just, kind of along the, those same lines, when we get somebody like Tim Anderson to say on the show, fuck it. We're the best <laughs> team in the league. Mm-hmm. Does that make waves through an organization? Do are people upset by that? Or does it just kind of depend on the person? I mean, uh, for that specific instance, no, I think we all sort of, uh, all of us who know Tim were not surprised in the least that he said that. Uh, I think at that point, we hadn't really proved anything yet. I mean, obviously, we're coming off the 2020 playoff appearance, but you know that was a one and done, and we certainly looked good on paper entering 21, but we hadn't won anything yet. So I think there were the only possible bristling at that was, all right, we can say it, but now we got to back it up. Like, let's go. Like, we, we, you've heard the cliche over the years like it's always easier to be in the hunter than the hunted and you know statements like that sort of thrust you into the role of the hunted 
which is fine. And obviously that team in 21 responded to it and over the course of the regular season, and it was a non-issue, but in terms of guys going out there and expressing themselves freely, whether it's Tim or Liam or, or Joe Kelly, who I know had said some things on your show, like, yeah, it, Rick, that's fine. That's who they are. Say some things. Joe Kelly <laughs> ran through our dump button through our delay. I'm so surprised we didn't get a call from the FCC. That guy was yeah. dropping shit. The F word nine times. He swore on our show. It's great for digital content, but my head's on the line. Chris Tannehill's right. head is on the line. Right. Well, you guys will find work somewhere. Uh, <laughs> look, but that's also Joe. Like that, that's what you're getting. And then again, going back to sort of fan scene behind the curtain and, and creating sort of a deeper bond with their club. Like that's who Joe Kelly is. You know, he, he, he was funny. He, uh, we were, we took him off the IL without a rehab sign recently. I think it was in Detroit. He came off the IL in part because, you know, a lot of guys are getting hurt in part because he's a veteran and he was everything mechanically and statistically metrically was measuring up fine. So we just activated him. Now he was pushing for like from day two of on the IL saying, I'm not going to need a rehab sign. I don't need a rehab assignment. And frankly, I generally prefer a rehab assignment personally, just let's test it out somewhere before we, you know, put it on the line. Uh, anyway, things lined up where Joe convinced everyone that he doesn't need a rehab assignment. We activated him, pitched well in Detroit. I think it was like a nine pitch inning or something like that. And uh, after the game in the clubhouse, I said to him, I'm like, you know, Joe, more people need to listen to you, huh? And like half the relievers standing next to him, like, do not say that, please. You just ruined the next three weeks of us in the bullpen. Don't say that. Don't encourage him. But that's Joe. And that's Joe's personality. And he's, he's uh, I'm glad some of that came through, even if it does cost did, you and Tanny your job. Uh, we'll be okay. Um, <laughs> did you see how that injury started? It wasn't on the field. Which, uh, which one are we talking with, about? With, Joe, with Joe's hamstring. Did you see how that started? Uh, I don't think I saw it not on the field. Tell me. No, no, no. So when we were, when he was in studio for that hour, Speaks mm -hmm. had brought a baseball into the studio. He wanted Joe to show on our Twitch stream, you know, some of his pitch grips. Speaks rolls the baseball across the desk to him. It falls down on the ground. Joe leans to his left side to get that ball from the ground. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be the same leg that he hurt in that game. So if you want to blame Matt Spiegel for Joe Kelly's leg injury, it's fine. That, okay, fair enough. You know, typical Cub fan behavior. Yep. But, uh, you know, that's part of the reason we shouldn't have guys go on that show. But I guess yep. we'll just continue to bear that show. risk. It's, it's fine. It's some talented guys. I know you're locked in every day from two to six. Um, Absolutely. I got nothing else to do. Yeah, definitely. I know that you have regrets in your position. I'm not going to make you talk about Fernando Tatis again. And I've heard you talk about having to watch your sons play with his game on the show when he made the cover. Yep. I know that's a mistake. I'm not going to lament you for that. What's your favorite acquisition or favorite at any point in your White Sox career? The fa your favorite thing that you've been involved in, in terms of oh acquiring a player? Look, I, the one that comes to mind immediately, and I, I may an hour from now have a different answer. Something like goes on. Uh, I really like the, the Eloy and Cease trade. And, and not simply because those are two really talented players that we're thrilled to have. Uh, I like that because it was emblematic of doing something that nobody expected this organization to do. 
And that is a crosstown deal, a major acquisition between these two teams, uh, an acknowledgement that we're both in different positions. Obviously, that that the 2017 Cubs team was going for it, and that made sense for them to acquire Jose. And we were a team in a rebuild, and we were willing to openly and honestly, uh, frankly, help each other in what we were trying to accomplish at that stage. And not only was, you know, all the great ancillary stories about, you know, uh, wet, butt 23 and others, you know, springing it that, that, that came, came, booty hole coming from that, uh, that made it enjoyable. But, you know, all my conversations with Theo throughout that were just open and candid about, look, these, this hasn't happened in a really long time between our two clubs. So let's try to, you know, come up with a baseball deal. And then if for whatever reason, some bullshit gets in the ways and, and, and sidetracks it in the end, we can't do it. No, no need to apologize to each other. Like we're going to try to do a baseball deal. And if it gets sidetracked, it gets sidetracked, but let's give it our best effort. And, and we're able to pull it together. And, and you know, that uh, I think that spoke volumes about each of our organizations being able to do that. 